Sports, the local sports leader. Five different Batman themes you could have used, and you choose the one from the late 60s. No, that's fine. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, I had a feeling this was coming because we have a running joke with Kevin Pelton, ESPN NBA insider, that when we want to talk to him, we fire up the old bat signal, we point in the general direction of the Pacific Northwest, and we see if he responds. Bruce Wayne responds. Kevin Pelton responds. And joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line to talk a little NBA with us. Oddly enough, for the first time all season, I don't really know what how that worked out. Kevin Pelton joining us here on the Burns and Gambo Show with uh, Kellen Olson filling in. Kevin, I hope this phone call finds you well. Happy uh, near New Year's Eve to you. What's going on? Yeah, happy New Year to everybody in uh, Phoenix listening as well. And uh, it, it, it's been a while, but I guess this just is a positive news that uh, the Suns have not had enough on-court crises for me to get called in yet this season. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think to their standard, I guess. Honest, <laughs> honestly, I, I swear, I think we've just put out so many fires with his foot with his basketball team so far. It's like, oh, yeah, by the way, we should probably call Kevin and see what he thinks about this because he's just been a mess. Maybe, right rel- maybe relative to the Cardinals as well. Uh, well, <laughs> Don't even, uh, Kevin, don't even, seriously, man. It's just like, here's my open wound, pour salt and lemon juice into it while you're at it. That's been, that's not been good. Um, now, the Phoenix Suns, let, let's, so here we are, third of the way, give or take, maybe a little more into the season. And obviously the Suns are dealing with a little bit of a, a mini crisis right now in Devin Booker. What, for you, what is the survival guide for this organization in the four weeks, at least four weeks that they're going to be without Devin Booker. I mean, the, the good news is we've seen the formula in some of these games that they've played, you know, since uh, Christmas, or starting with Christmas Day when he re-aggravated this injury. And, you know, they, they came close to knocking off the Nuggets and then the impressive win in Memphis. I mean, you know, it's, it's going to take contributions from a lot of different guys. I mean, I think I guess the good news, such as it is, is that shooting guard is a position where they're relatively deep with Damian Lee, giving them some such good minutes this season. And Landry Shamit, you know, shooting the ball like he did uh, in Denver. So, you know, if there was a spot where you can afford this, it's, it's a little easier than, you know, now the front court because of the fact that they were already so compromised without Jay Crowder and Cam Johnson. So I, I guess that's the upside, but it's, it's really all hands on deck. And the challenge is that's, that's doable for a game or two. Doing it for a month is a different story. Kevin, this has been a conversation we've had around here in the last couple of weeks when it comes to the Suns, the injuries and their positioning in the standings. I would love to get your take on it. The parity in the West right now is quite frankly ridiculous. It's just all over the place right now with who you put where. So with that in mind, is that an argument where you believe that it matters less the difference between two and seven or three and six in the standings? Or do you still believe there is some significant weight to your spot in the standings or or does the parity help? I think one through six, it matters less. I think it's probably an argument that it matters more seven through 10 because number one, you've got that extra challenge of getting through the play-in tournament. And number two, you could be facing some decent teams in the play-in tournament. I think that's a big difference between the West and the East this year where you know, the East has a couple of most dominant teams at the top and a pretty steep drop-off after, you know, I, I don't know, maybe five or six teams at this point. In the West, that parity kind of extends at this point, one through nine, maybe one through ten. You're looking at Golden State potentially being in the play-in. So that you you don't want any part, I think, of being in that play-in. You want to finish in the top six if at all possible. 
Kevin Pelton, ESPN NBA insider, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo show with Kellen Olson filling in. Uh, of course, I, I didn't think, Kevin, one, that our first conversation, we have you on all the time. I, I didn't think our first conversation would with you would be on December 30th. And I certainly didn't think our first conversation would be with you while Jake Crowder is still a member of the Suns organization. I, I would have thought something with this would have happened by now. For you, the pros, the cons of waiting this this long to deal Jay Crowder well, from the Suns perspective what do you think the reasoning is for waiting this long before dealing Jay well I suppose the cons are pretty obvious in terms of just not getting anything from that roster spot from that salary spot all season and you know Jay Crowder particularly with the absence of Cam Johnson could have helped quite a bit you'd have to assume if you were on the roster or whoever you could have gotten in return for him but there's a reason that they've decided to wait. And I think the pro of it is it just opens up possibilities in terms of more sellers being out there. And I think that's the the biggest obstacle in the trade market right now is that, you know, very few teams, aside from the teams that are actively looking toward the future, consider themselves sellers right now. You've got the, the, the addition of the play-in tournament, keeping more teams in the mix later in the season. And I think, you know, we haven't seen any trades in the NBA yet since I believe the start of training camp. You know, that's pretty atypical. And I think that kind of reflects that lack of separation in the market. The parity is an influence into that as well is, you know, nobody kind of feels like they're out of it at this point. So there's going to be more, you know, teams potentially in the mix for that kind of a trade in a few weeks, although it still raises the challenge that has been there all along, which is you're looking to trade a veteran player in a win now move to it kind of almost has to be a three-team trade to, to make a lot of sense. Kevin, to bounce off of that, uh, Suns fans have been eagerly awaiting that type of trade or, or a big one specifically, and we've been talking a little bit about Toronto today with the Suns matching up with them, and they seem to be one of those teams, as, as your own Zach Lowe has kind of reported in the last month, just kind of looking at GM circling there and wondering if they're going to blow it up and if that's a possibility for them to let go of guys like Fred VanVleet or, or Gary Trent Jr. or even someone like Pascal Siakam. What's your sense for where the Raptors are, are at right now and how logically it would make sense for them to maybe look towards the future a bit and, and and sort of blow things up a bit. Yeah, they're an interesting team because you look at them statistically, they've not been that different than they were last season. Uh, they've lost a ton of close games, and that's you know been a factor of driving them down in the standings in the East. So I, I think if you were in Toronto management and you wanted to be optimistic, you could say, look, we this is a better team than we've looked so far. We've you know at some point got Precious Achua coming back to get some more size in the front court, which has been our biggest need. We could potentially go out and make a trade and you know at the deadline. Uh, Otto Porter Jr. is somebody else who they basically haven't had all season. But the other side of it is, and, and this is the case for maybe why the trade market might start to shake loose a little bit in January uh, before we get you know right up to the deadline, is there is some value to being kind of the first of these teams that thinks they're con- contenders to pull the plug because the earlier you start kind of accumulating losses in preparation for the lottery, the, uh, the easier it is to get way down in the standings to you know, maybe the fifth or sixth spot where you have a, a real chance of jumping up to number one. I mean, Portland last year is kind of the example of that. The Damian Lillard injury sort of made the decision for them, but the last game he played was on New Year's Eve 
2021. And it was right around that time where, you know, it, it took them months to make the trades that they did make sending out Norman Powell and, and CJ McCollum. But that's when they kind of started their slide down the standings uh, where they did end up picking seventh. Kevin Pelton from ESPN, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo show. Kellen, uh, our fill-in host today for Gambo, has written a lot about this the last couple of days. The Suns, as they're currently constructed and based off of what you've been able to see out of them so far, are they still enough of a contender that they've got a go-for-it kind of trade in them at some point before the deadline for them to take advantage of what's left of the Chris Paul window? Is is there enough there right now as you see it for them to say, you know what, let's go make a deal for this guy and let's try to win that championship this year? Is there enough there or is that window passed? I think there is enough there. I mean, certainly as you're sort of projecting the, the Suns forward to, you know, potentially the the you know, the second round and beyond, that's the biggest question right now is, is Chris Paul still able to play at that level that, you know, even that first round we saw him put together against New Orleans last year with Devin Booker out of the lineup, that's probably not realistic. But the level that we saw the first handful of games in the Dallas series, if he can play at that level, then certainly I think there is enough, especially if you're adding another piece to this in that kind of win now mode. And the good news is, look, nobody's running away with the Western Conference. Conference. Uh, I wrote about the the top of the West last week on ESPN.com, and you know at that point I said that the Grizzlies were my pick. But wait a week, and I might change my mind. And lo and behold, they you know they lose badly in Golden State on Christmas Day. They get beaten by Phoenix at home after you know even in the uh, series after their blowout win in Phoenix. Uh, a, no one continues to be able to separate themselves every time it looks like there is a team you can say point to and say okay this is the number one team in the west they lose two or three in a row uh, through your work, you do a great job of not only gathering data, but contextualizing it as well. And one piece we've been looking at a lot over the last couple of weeks has been Mikel Bridges specifically taking more shots and seeing, you know this better than me, a hyper-efficient offensive player. And his numbers have started to dip a bit in terms of efficiency. He already does so much work defensively. He's at about 14, 15 shots per game uh, since these injuries have kind of hit the Suns more severely. Do you think Mikel is in a spot, Kevin, with how much he does defensively, where his offensive role actually does need to be limited a bit, or should it still be explored a bit in this role where he can be the number two on some nights. I think it's good for him to explore it at this point, so long as you don't, you know, kind of slip too far in the standings because, you know, to some extent, there's a learning curve to, you know, playing that larger role on offense and the increased defensive attention he's seeing. And, you know, we've seen kind of the downside of it at times, as you mentioned, with his efficiency slipping. There was the, the one game in particular where, what he start, like, you know, two for 15 or something like that? Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, and that was that was when you see the downside of it. But you kind of have to go through that to an extent. I, I do think, though, that you know part of the reason role players are role players and go-to guys offensively are go-to guys is those players, the go-to guys, are able to ramp up their efficiency with much less change in their usage rate than you see with role players. Now, there can sort of be a flip side to this, which is that when you stack stars together, 
they don't necessarily have kind of the the benefit that you might hope because of the fact that they don't see their efficiency improve as much as you would want. Uh, but you, so, which is why you kind of need a mix of the two. But probably the case is that Mikhail, especially with everything he's doing on defense, as you point out, he probably belongs in that role player bucket. There's a reason he was there, you know, even really at the college level at Villanova. But uh, he, he, there's nothing I think that harmful, especially with the injuries, of giving him a little more opportunity and seeing how that pans. Out. All right, good stuff. We'll try not to go as long between visits as we did this last time, Kevin. That is 1,000% our fault, not yours. So we appreciate the time, especially this close to a, a long weekend and a holiday weekend. Always good to have you on, my friend. Thanks for the time. Yeah, anytime I see that bat signal, you know I'm going to pick up. I, I know you, you're so good with us. I, I don't know what we've ever done to deserve it, but you're so good to us. We appreciate it. Kevin Pelton from ESPN.com, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show talking NBA.